Welcome to the Building Texas Business Podcast. Interviews with thought leaders and organizational visionaries from across industry. Join us as we talk about the latest trends, challenges, and growth opportunities to take your business to the next level. The Building Texas Business Podcast is brought to you by Boyer Miller, providing counsel beyond expectations. Find out how we can make a meaningful difference to your business at BoyerMiller.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Chris Hanslick. In this episode, you'll meet Robert Groats, President and Chief Operating Officer of Worldview. Robert shares how Worldview focuses on building a culture of responsibility by being a service-oriented company to its customers in order to drive growth. Robert, I want to thank you for uh, agreeing to come on Building Texas Business. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to meet you. Chris, uh, great to meet you as well. Let's get started by just telling the audience about Worldview and what it's known for. Sure. So, Chris, have you ever had a friend that is really good at something, whether it's fixing cars or technology, programming your TV, things like that? And it's a friend that you can count on right? It's their best friend. Sure. They go above and beyond. So if you've got a problem, you know you can come to them, they respond quickly, and they give it their all. Even if they don't know about the solution, they give it their all, and they help you, and they add value to your life, and you build that friendship. That's what we strive for at Worldview. Worldview is a a company that's been in business for almost 50 years now, Houston-based. Our customers are hotels, And our expertise is technology. So if a hotel, a hotel brand, a hotel owner, an individual hotel has a problem with technology, we want them to come to us because we want to be their best friend forever and add value to their lives. And that's kind of what we're known for is solving problems for hotels, befriending them, building relationships with them, and just being part of that industry, being part of the hospitality business. And that's what's made us successful for 50 years. That's great. I love how it's so ingrained that it's about relationships and, and even using you know, the analogy of best friend. What inspired you to get involved with Worldview? What inspired this company to you know get to where it is today? Yeah, so they've been a, long, a lot longer than I've been with them. Sure, because so, you don't yeah. look much that you started a company. <laughs> I started that, when I was one. <laughs> uh, no, no, it started long before. It's a family business. It's still, it's still a family business. The founder still comes to work. He's usually the first one there and the last one to leave. Very, very engaged. But of course, the business has changed a lot over the years. I've known the company for the last 17 years. I actually was with Dish Network. Dish Network is where Worldview gets their programming, their content, the TV content, okay, and some of their technology. And I got to know them as a supplier vendor, got to know the people, fell in love with the people, fell in love with the company, the culture. The time came where they were kind of pivoting, and it's the uh, kind of the next generation of Worldview, and we're building this company as a legacy business to last for the next 10 generations. And they needed someone with my skill set, my expertise to to help lead them into that. And that's kind of how I got to to know Worldview and got to be involved with Worldview. And now I'm the president and chief operating officer of the company, and I've got a great team around us and teamwork. I'm sure we're going to talk about teamwork. And people are very, very important in kind of fulfilling our mission. So yeah, that's 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 the the origin story of how I got involved with Worldview. Okay, that's great. So technology company means evolution and innovation. 
have to be in the fabric of the company. So talk to us a little bit about what you do in your role to foster creativity, innovation, to keep worldview relevant in its industry. Yeah, sure. And relevance, I'm glad you said that word. Relevance is our key growth uh, driver. So, you know, we've got two growth drivers. One's relevance, which is all about product. It's all about the technology that we're out there evangelizing, designing, and supporting, and really becoming experts at. And with that relevance drives market share growth and getting into more and more and more hotel properties. We currently serve 7,000 properties in the U.S., and now we're expanding internationally. But we're a product-driven company because that's our expertise. You know, we want to be the best friend to our clients. That's kind of why we exist. But the what we do is the technology. And we will use technology from leading providers that are off the shelf. You know, some big brands that everyone's heard of before, like LG and Cisco, you know, brands like that. But what we'll do is we'll take those and we'll integrate them. So integration is kind of what we do best. And it's kind of our secret sauce is how do you integrate big, big brands like an Oracle with a LG, which does in-room entertainment and TV technology. That's our secret sauce. So the integration, we're the glue between big technologies, and we do it very well. And again, you you, you lean back on the why you actually want to develop this relationship to add value to your customers, and we want your customer to be your best friend. That's kind of what we're doing. So it is related to the technology. We like to say we're a service company that just happens to do technology. We're not a technology company that tries to do service. That's one of our big differentiators. I would imagine that's a, a meaningful difference in mindset when you go to the hiring process and building your team to have that servant, service-oriented mindset be the, the lead primary thing you're looking for. What what are some of the things you you do to make sure you're hiring the right people that fit that mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surrounding yourself with people better than you is one of our mantras at any level of the company. And I think if you just, if you champion that mantra, you know, constantly looking for people that do things a little bit better than you, whether it's a specific skill or an attitude. And I think attitude is something you can't really teach. Attitude is something that that you carry with you as a human being in your existence. It's your worldview, which is one of the reasons for the name worldview. We got you. That makes sense. Is you've got to have that. You've got to have your head on straight as it relates to how you interact with others, how you act uh, with with a team, how you help build the team, how you pull in the same direction to achieve a goal. Those things are very important. We can hire people that are incredibly intelligent, incredibly book smart, have, have done amazing things, and we do. But, but if, if you don't hire for the attitude and you don't hire for the teamwork, you're going to end up failing. And that's really what we look for. Yeah. There's some tools you have in place so that in that process, the people doing the interviews, whatever it is and however you go about that, that help you identify or get a, a bead on the attitude that the candidate has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so we developed our own tools. Um, we, of course, use off-the-shelf tools, personality assessments, and things like that. But we developed a tool that we call CHIRP. It's uh, an acronym, C-H-I-R-P. Coachable, humble, intelligent, responsive, and persistent. So what we do is when we're talking to someone, we try to bounce those, those, those challenges, those dynamics off of the candidate to see if they're open to actually learning and becoming a better person. 
And if you don't have the C, the coachable, it's going to be hard for you to be part of the team. Sure. Because regardless of what you know, even the smartest person on earth, there's still something for them to learn. And they have to be open-minded about absorbing that and taking some direction and uh, realizing the experience of others. So coachable, humble, humility is important. It's related to coachable. Intelligence isn't book smart. It's more emotional intelligence. It's knowing what to say, when to say it, being quick on your feet, having that mindset about who you actually are as a person and how you interrelate to each other, and then how you actually can solve problems related to a specific tactical technology. That's intelligence. Responsive, you know, when the phone rings, you, you answer it. When an email comes in, you, re, you respond to it. You don't let it dwindle, right? And persistence, persistence is that hunger and that, that, that energy, right? Persistence is, you know, knowing that there's a goal, knowing that it's going to be tough to get to that goal if it's worth pursuing and fighting for it, you know? Um, so together is the chirp. If you look at our logo, it's, there's a, a wonderful sparrow uh, icon, which is the chirp, which is a bird. So we're, it all ties together. Okay. So how do you then take this service-oriented mindset, you hired using CHIRP, which I love the acronym. How do you then take that into action and actually go about building these relationships to where your customers become your best friends? How do you connect those dots? Yeah. So, I mean, it's about engagement with the customer on their turf, Right. The world revolves around the customer. It doesn't revolve around us as individuals or as a company. So you go to where they are. You go to where the relevance factor is high to them, whether it's a trade show event or it's their office, whether it's you know charities that they might sponsor and support that are worthwhile getting involved with. You try to make it about a personal relationship. And that's where our best customers and our best employees thrive is when you can truly make it about the individual. That's very, very important to us. So we try to get on their turf and we try to understand who they are as a, as a person. We're not just checking a box. If we check a box, we become a commodity. When we become a commodity, then the margins erode, financial performance isn't there, and we don't exist, right? So right. we gotta make it about that personalization. We gotta make it about, about the customer. Very good. So let's, let's talk a little bit about how the, the company has maybe managed over these last few years. I, I would think given you know, what we experienced, you know, in 2020 and coming in a a few years out of that, there was your customers at least had probably suffered some downturns in their business, which probably translated to you. How did, what are some of the things you did to help manage the company through those tough times? Sure. Yeah. Well, the, the hospitality industry in general and a lot of industries, but especially the hospitality industry, when people stopped traveling for business, they stopped traveling for personal, they didn't go on vacation. We had a lot of our hotels closed down. Some of our hotels stayed open for first response, medical personnel, things like that, and they did okay. Some very limited service hotels that don't really exist for that business traveler, but they exist just because they need um, you know, a bed to rent, actually did okay. They thrived. They, they had good occupancy. We as a company were fortunate. We managed not by laying people off and cutting back. But we managed by committing and recommitting to our employees. So we had no layoffs because of COVID. We took a kind of unique philosophy to the, the pandemic in that period of time, two, three year period of time, where we got back in the office as soon as we could. And we did that, you know, in a safe way. So there was social distancing and, and, and uh, making sure that everything was clean and being aware to the health of all of our employees. 
and respecting you know individual wishes. But we we encourage people to get back in the office in October of twenty, and we've been back since. And we do that because we think that people communicate best in person. It's probably one of the reasons you have us all here to have a podcast as opposed to doing it virtually. Absolutely. Is that personal connection, you can't put your finger on it, but it's important. Right. So I think that 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 action was a cultural move. And I think it's it's paid dividends for us. I hope it's paid dividends for our employees. And I think we'll continue with that, that mindset. You know, we were there to help our customers. So, you know, we were making sure from a commercial perspective that we could give them as much relief as possible. We were there to help them turn up their properties, turn down their properties using all kinds of technologies, right? So there's there's a lot of different technology out there that a hotel uses, and we were there for them in all fronts. That's great. I can totally identify with that thought process, that mindset. We took the same approach in 2020 got people back in in May of 2020 doing the same thing, making sure the workplace was safe, but with the view that we work better together, it it does foster a healthy culture. I think it makes us better in who we are and in our work and how we can serve our clients and customers. And to your point, I'm pretty adamant that these podcasts, although we've done a few via zoom because we had to 90, I mean, there's, I don't need all fingers on one hand. They've almost all been in person yeah. because you just can't replace the dynamic when you're together. Yeah. So you, you touched on it. I want to, I want to go down uh, this trail with you and that's culture. How would you maybe describe the culture at worldview and what are some of the things that you have done to build and foster that culture? Sure. So we have a culture of responsibility. We're responsible to each other as much as we're responsible to our customers. And, you know, we have a, a promise that we make, which is we deliver every time, no exception. And that is as is, is relevant for the, the guy in the office next to you as it is to your customer, you know, which could be 20 you know, to, to a couple thousand miles away. You know, we deliver every time, no exception. So if someone needs something, we strive to deliver that. Right. We strive to deliver on the promise. Sometimes it's not easy. Oftentimes it's not easy, but it takes a lot of energy and a lot of focus. And I think everyone knows that that promise in the company from, you know, from the 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 newest call center rep all the way to the top. They all try to kind of pull that direction that creates that culture of rowing in the same direction. And that is very, very important, because if you've got a company that's rowing in multiple directions, it's going to be it's going to be problematic. It's going to be expensive. The trust is going to be violated. You're not going to be able to move quickly and address customer needs. You're not going to look at the dynamic of what customers can offer in the marketplace and, and turn quickly to address that. It's it's really core to to who we are as a company as as individuals. So, what do you do as the president, chief operating officer, the leader, to show up so that people understand that? You live the culture. You can enforce that culture. What are some of the things you do yeah. to reinforce that every day? Yeah. So you've got to lead from the front. It's all about attitude. You can't come in all slouched over. You've got to be uh, on on point. And you've got to do it authentically. It can't be fake, right? Yeah. And that's a challenge sometimes. You know? you all For sure. And you've got to have your, your, your focus. You've got to have you know, your eye on the prize, if you will. You know, communication is critical. 
So routine touch-based meetings. I don't like to have long meetings that consume people's time or people attend the meeting to be attending the meeting. I want there to be a purpose and a reason. I want there to be lots of dialogue. Constructive criticism, constructive differences make everything special. Right. And you can't just kind of dominate. You've got to, you got to listen to the, the different opinions. Ask more questions. Ask more questions. We like to say listen 10 times more than people are talking. And you've got to lead by example. If, if you don't, if you don't do that yourself as an individual, again, something's wrong and, and everyone sees it and everyone knows it. So I asked most guests about, you know, setbacks or failures. And, and so, and we learn sometimes much more by those. Is there a, a situation or experience you can think about as a leader where, you know, it didn't go as you hoped or you, you know, it was a failure or setback in a decision or strategy, but you learned from it and the learning from that has made you better today yeah. than you were before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've got, <clears throat> I've got lots of setbacks and then failures, but you know, I think one big example would be if there is a, if there's a, a disagreement between leaders and they're not seeing eye to eye, to eye and they don't address it quickly, it can create division and that division creates distraction and the distraction creates lost opportunities. And we've, we've dealt with that over the last few years. We've had some, uh, you know, just some disagreements on the, the, the direction we needed to go. And, you know, the solution was coming in the room together, fixing it, getting on the same page, having the confidence and the buy-in at the, the most inner level as a person, as an individual, and, and, and making the team more cohesive, right? So you can go from cohesive to a, a failure very quickly if you don't pay attention to that dynamic. Yeah. So that's, that was one of big, big lesson learned. You know, there are others where you bring individuals into the, the company based upon their experience and their pedigree, and you throw them into our mix, and they just don't dance our dance, and, you know, they create a bunch of disruption, and you've got to move fast there. It's tough letting people go. It always is tough letting people go, but oftentimes it's good for them as much as it's good for the company because they're just, they don't, they're not comfortable in their shoes. And, right. You know, that's tough to be a person when you're not comfortable in your shoes. It's tough to live a life. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you touched on something there that I think everyone that I've interviewed in these podcasts agree the, the biggest lesson learned maybe in that difficult time when someone's not fitting is making that decision faster than you feel like you probably want to, yeah. because the, uh, the person that's not fitting in your organization will be better off because it's just not a good fit and they'll find the place they fit better and your organization will be better because that person that's not fitting is going to be a distraction. It potentially could erode culture and you're just always better off moving faster, even though it didn't feel right. Like in your gut sometimes that's right. Yeah, you're yeah. affecting human lives. Yeah. And loyalty, by the way, is the adversary to that philosophy. Right. So we all want to be loyal to people. I think good people are loyal, but you have to, you have to have the, the, the vision, the foresight, the clarity to understand where there's loyalty and then there's a bad fit, a poor fit. And if there's a poor fit, then the best move is always make it a better fit. So <laughs> that's, you know, that's, that's very important. As worldview has grown, what have you done to kind of build the team around you and let go of some of the things that maybe you used to do more on a day-to-day basis and, and, and learn to make us trust and let go? Yeah. Trust is a key <clears throat> word. 
right? So yeah, finding people better than you at things, making sure that they're they're the right fit, and then trusting that they're going to get the job done, and sitting back and and delegating some some responsibilities that you may have, you may think that you need to do to them or to their teams, and then watching it grow. And it's very easy to, to delegate to somebody, but it's it's difficult to to let to give them enough rope where they're going to actually lead or fail. If they fail, then you can step back in and you can fix it. And you can delegate to someone else. You could coach them. But if you've got good people around you, I mean, the pe- if, you're, if you've got good people that are pulling in the same direction, they will self-adjust. They will succeed because they want to reach the same goal that you want to reach. Right. So in some ways, it can be very, very simple and easy. Oftentimes, it doesn't feel that way when you're doing it. So that's, that's right. True. Dynamic. It really is. The other thing I was going to ask you about, <clears throat> excuse me, is you kind of had an interesting experience in that, I guess I'm talking about transition succession from founder of company that's still around, as you mentioned in the beginning, mm-hmm. but you stepping in to the leadership role as president, chief operating officer. Maybe talk to us because there's some listeners out there maybe doing that or, or, or that's in their near future. Let's talk a little bit about what were some of the challenges of bridging that transition gap as you took over as the president of the company? Yeah, I think from my personal story, it's about building trust and having integrity as well as having a deep level of respect. If someone founds a company that's been around for almost 50 years, I look up to them. I don't care what that company is. I mean, they've done something that a lot of people have never experienced or will never experience. And I've got to give, I've got to give them tons of credit for that and have utmost, utmost respect for that effort. But, you know, making, making that person or that group of people trust you and inspiring them to let you lead is a significant, significant initiative that you've got to have a lot of purpose, a lot of focus on. And that's kind of that's kind of the most important part, I think, is to to build a relationship. Build that relationship, build the trust, be authentic, have integrity. They will then see that you can lead and take what they've done to the next level. And hopefully that will benefit their their family and families for generations to come. Because that's the that's the ultimate outcome. Sure. You know, it's not build it to flip it. It's not, you know, make a fast buck. In fact, the bucks have nothing to do with it. It's about the purpose. It's about what you deliver value to society, to your customers. It's about what you want to do. That's why that analogy to a friend, a best friend, right. is really good at something. I think that's a very that's a very good focus for us to have. And I think that if you can generate thousands and thousands of friends throughout the world that all have that need, you've got a successful business that's providing college educations, food on the table, happiness, travel, you know, fun for for families that are countless families. Sure. And that to me is really, really exciting. That's kind of a passion. Did you have any challenges as that transition where, you know, the, the people that used to report directly to the founder, mm-hmm. you know, maybe weren't coming to you at first and Oh yeah. 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 How did you manage yeah. how did you manage to do that? I would be I would be lying to say that that doesn't still exist. <clears throat> um, it does. And it's it's just a challenge that you have to acknowledge and you have to kind of embrace. Like I get it. I get it. Like I said, uh, the respect level that I have for 
the founder, the founding family is so high that I would expect that legacy employees that have been around for a long time look at that with the same level of respect. Sure. As so I you don't do. take offense to it. Oh, you can't take offense to it. It's a, it's a, that's an ego-driven thing. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that attitude that you bring to it you know, is consistent with the culture, mm. that you're the mindset of that, the right attitude and, and that the company's got everyone going in the same direction. Yeah, that's right. So let's, it, you know, it's not easy running a company, the, the scale and size that, that you do. What are some of the things that you've done personally to try to have a very successful business life, but also very successful and fulfilling personal life? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I have four children, twin three-year-olds, a seven-year-old and a 22-year-old and, and, and a wonderful wife at home. And, you know, it, you can't lose focus of what they need and what they want. You can't lose focus of being at home, right? Home is where the heart is. Home provides all kinds of emotional support. And, you know, that's kind of been my exercise routine is making sure that I can maintain a healthy home, which, you know, there's this concept of balance that I haven't figured out yet. Sure. But, I think everyone has their own definition, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because of technology, you can be in one location and have a FaceTime call with someone else and you at least can, you know, make sure you're, you're there from a voice and a conversation standpoint. But it's not easy. For and, sure. But it is, it is definitely worth living for. It's worth striving towards. And, you know, I, I value the family component of my life tremendously. And I'm hoping that that lends itself to the mission of where we are, what the, the direction we're headed as a company. I hope that comes off. And, you know, I try to treat the, the folks around me that are closest to me in the office like family as well. And I get a lot of practice. So. That's good. That's great. Great attitude about it. So what do you see on the horizon? What's next for Worldview? Where do you see, you know, the, the near future yeah. taking you? Well, our friends are getting larger and larger. We're getting more of them. We are expanding internationally, so we just formed entities in the UK, in the EU, in, in Dubai, uh, as well as I believe in Singapore as, and Mexico City. So we've got a, a strategy to expand uh, what we do globally, which is going to be very, very exciting. Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult. The challenge is exciting, though. And the great people around me and our, our teams are all excited and enthusiastic about that. But from just growing business and sticking to our knitting in terms of uh, domestic growth, you know, we've got great relationships with hotel brands. Yeah. There, there are multiple, the, the environment of hospitality is multidimensional and very fascinating to me, at least, where you've got a brand presence, you've got uh, real estate owners, you've got operators, and then you've got, of course, guests and the occupants of the property. And you've got to serve all four of those groups in a special way and make sure that you're coming through for them. And so we've done a pretty good job at, at all of those levels. We're excited about some of our brand relationships that are growing and we're becoming more of their best friend. They have other friends, sure. but we have <laughs> their best friend. So, you know, the, the growth plan with, with product competencies as one lever and market uh, share expansion as the other lever is what's going to take us forward. And we'd like to be, you know, we'd like to be five times larger than what we are in the next five years. So oh, it's aggressive. aggressive yeah. I, I was going to ask you, what's driving that growth? It's demand. The demand yeah. that, that there's so much technology out there. Technology has become this kind of ambiguous word, right? Sure. Where it could be hard technology like a, uh, a wireless access point or a TV 
or an ethernet switch or a door lock, or it could be a software, right? The software is kind of the glue that makes that hardware valuable. And the software on each of those individual devices is unique. And the key is how do you integrate those softwares together to create an amazing experience, whether it's for a guest, for a hotel associate, the housekeeper, sure. or for the owner of the property in terms of value creation through through stronger profitability. You know, there's opportunities to leverage technology to not only solve problems, but create opportunities. We think that's where the real demand is going to come from. Okay. We just have to be there to be their best friend, yeah. make it all work. <clears throat> and when they have a problem, come to us. Be that trusted friend. There be you. the trusted friend. Trusted advisor. So what advice would you give to someone who aspires to be a business leader or entrepreneur based on your experience? Create a focus, like create something you really want to achieve. Start at the end. Like, what do you want your life to look at, life to look like? And what do you see doing that really is a passion for you? Um, Leave all the other stuff out of that equation. Leave the money out of that equation. Leave the location out of that equation. But focus with the end in mind in terms of how you'd like to live. And, and then build backwards from there. Like, what does it take to get there? Mm-hmm. Create a roadmap for yourself. I know um, very early on in life, uh, I saw the movie Wall Street. And this sounds silly, but I loved business after that. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the acting. I don't know. But I wanted to be a businessman, right? I wanted to be in business. And then I, I lived my life. I got to college. I was, I was lucky enough to run into some very influential professors. One of them happened to be a real estate guy. He was doing commercial real estate development and exposed me to a company called Equity Group Investments, which was based in Chicago. I grew up in Wisconsin, based in Chicago, a guy named Sam Zell, who just passed away this last year. And Sam was an iconic entrepreneur, a builder of businesses all along the real estate kind of foundational area. And I, I decided I wanted to work for Sam Zell. Uh, so I graduated college, moved to Chicago, no job, started originating mortgages, 100% commission, straight out of school, and just pursued Sam's company. Got involved with Equity Residential, which was his apartment REIT, got in the flow of, of, of that company, developed this love of technology. I've always had a love of technology. Applied technology to real estate early on in the early 90s, kind of made a name for myself. And then that took me to where, where I am today, which is, you know, real estate, technology, the scene between the two, solving problems, and then being someone's best friend. There's value there. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of how, what I would advise. I'd, you know, start with the end in mind. Okay. I love that. Great story. So let's turn to a little, you know, lighter subjects. What was your first job? First job was, that's a, that's a great question. First job, I worked in a warehouse and I was uh, moving things around a warehouse after school. And I yeah. was 14, 15 years old. Like no technology involved in that. No way. technology. Well, there's a, like a tow motor. There's a tow motor and a truck and a, and a dock. Uh, but, you know, and really exposed myself to uh, an interesting lifestyle. You know, the people who work in warehouses are pretty salt of the earth and, you know, Boy, For sure. You, boy, you sweated in that job, right? And then, you know, but probably my most interesting job, and the one that I was at the least, or the, the shortest amount of time, was I joined a roofing crew in a summer in college. And I was on that job for a total of four hours. And <laughs> I had blisters and bloody hands in that first morning. It was a commercial three-story roof, pitched roof, asphalt, you know, shingles. 
And those guys, I've never seen the, someone work as hard as them, and I couldn't do it. I, I just couldn't do it. So I went to work as a teller after that. Okay. Two, two weeks later, a bank teller. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Well, so you, you mentioned you grew up in Wisconsin. But yeah. You've been in Houston a while now. So being newer to Houston and Texas, what do you prefer, Tex-Mex or barbecue? Oh, barbecue. Barbecue. I love the quality mm-hmm. of the food, meats, you know, the tastes. I think it's good that there's a competition between barbecue to see who's best. I love, like, playing that game. It's a good experience it, as well. There's so many good options. Last week, in fact, someone you know was visiting Houston. He said, "We've heard all about you know Texas barbecue. Where do you recommend we go?" And I was stumped. I go, "Well, tell me kind of what you like or yeah. what you want because yeah. it depends." Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So, if you could take a 30 day sabbatical, sure. where would you go and what would you do? Yeah, so that's easy. I uh, spend the first two weeks at home, <laughs> just being at home. You know, being a dad, being you know, being a husband. I think that's very very important. Boy, that would be a good vacation. Too. Yeah. And then maybe the last two weeks, I'd stay here in Texas. I'd go to Hill Country. I'd do, there's so many great places in Texas. It's like it's like a whole different country, really. Sure. You could go you could go to Dallas and spend some time downtown Dallas doing some fun stuff. You could stay here in Houston and experience all kinds of interesting stuff. Or you could go to Austin, go to the Hill Country. It's just the dynamic is incredible. Couldn't so agree I'd more. Stay here close to home. Very I travel good. enough. Okay. So. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Well, Robert, thank you again for agreeing to be a guest. I loved hearing your story and what you're doing at Worldview and the team that y'all have there. So thanks again. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at BoyerMiller.com forward slash podcast. And you can find out more about all the ways our firm can help you at BoyerMiller.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you next time.